This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. Money's just a tool that you can use to build the life you want. And if you drive a new car in that life that you want, enjoy it. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three different things. First, I'm going to be sharing why we just bought a brand new car, even though this is something that doesn't make optimal financial sense, I suppose. Second, we are back with our debt-free living segment. This quarter, we're going to be featuring Jade Warshaw from the Ramsey Solutions team, Jade and her husband, Sam, paid off nearly $500,000 in under 10 years. That's a lot of money. (laughs) And she's going to tell us why they did it and how they did it and what this means for their future together as a family. And last but not least, my son, Calvin, is going to be joining me for another good word with all the not so great news out there. Calvin and I like to focus on the good stuff. And that's what we're going to bring you today. All right, let's jump into today's show. You should never buy new cars, right? That seems to be one of the cornerstones of personal finance. The millionaire next door doesn't buy new cars. And what about our favorite billionaires? We love to hold up Bezos and Zuckerberg and others as proof, pointing to the fact that they don't drive new cars either. If used cars work for them, then that's great. But we figured it was time to let you know that some millionaires do actually buy new cars, and I'm one of them. (laughs) In this episode, I'm going to share what flipped the money script for us and to see what money milestones you might want to tackle first before saying yes to a new car. First things first, if you would have asked me, do you plan on buying a new car uh, a few years ago? I would likely have given you a slightly different answer, my friends. I'm a saver. I take a great deal of pride in saving and building up my net worth. Goal setting, that's really important to me. And I want to make sure that my saving and spending align with those goals. So several years ago, I would likely have told you that I would never buy a new car. We were pushing hard to pay off all of our debt and to become mortgage-free. And I also had the dream of becoming a young millionaire. And if you waste your money on a new car, that's not going to work out, right? Those goals meant that we were focusing on reducing our expenses and increasing our income in order to invest more and pay down debt. But now... Our goals have shifted, especially since we built such a strong financial foundation for our family. As a result, I'm given a very different and maybe surprising answer to the new car question, and that is, yes, why not? (laughs) Now, before you ask me to turn in my personal finance card, I think it's helpful to clarify our financial picture for you. Here are several things that we tackled first before even thinking about making this purchase. 
We built an emergency fund of around three to six months of expenses. We paid off my $30,000 of student loans, and we paid off Nicole's $20,000 car loan. We also reached Coast Fire with $500,000 invested for our future retirement needs. We also became mortgage-free on our now, what is it, a half million dollar home. We hit a millionaire family net worth in our late 30s. We also transitioned from full-time work to part-time work for both my wife and I. And last but not least, we created a generational wealth plan for our children so they can graduate student debt-free, they can buy their first home, and retire comfortably. These accomplishments, these plans, they took time and they took dedication. They also took a great deal of planning, goal setting, and evaluating to make sure that they were right for us. We really had to get our financial ducks in a row in order to accomplish these things. That left us in the perfect position to have a little less discretion when it came to doing some discretionary spending. Now, does everyone who wants to buy a new car need to do all these things that I mentioned? Of course not. But because we accomplished so many of our goals and more goals than we maybe even initially imagined, we realized that we had a different type of money freedom now. If we were still struggling to pay our bills or felt like we were drowning in debt, a new car definitely would not have been the move for us to make. Due to our financial foundation now, we started to reconsider how we looked at things. Initially, we set up a taxable brokerage account for the same reason many people in the FIRE community do so. Nicole and I envisioned ourselves retiring early, long before we were eligible to draw down our 401ks and Roth IRAs. As a result, we intended to use this money in our taxable brokerage account as a bridge between 50 years old and 60 years old for that early retirement. It was going to be the path that we walked until we were traditional retirement age, 59 and a half plus. However, we realized that entrepreneurship put us on a new path. I'm no longer trying to frantically stop all work. Instead, I have found a job that I love. This podcast and this community opened up so many doors for me, and I find it so fulfilling. As a result, I don't see myself ever totally exiting the workforce. I work between 20 and 30 hours per week, and so does my wife, Nicole. She's working as an esthetician just down the street from where we live, and she loves it. Now, the fact that we love the work that we do and that we already hit our Coast Fire numbers means that our taxable brokerage account is no longer a bridge account. Instead, we decided to use this money to bring us joy now. After more than a decade of planning for the future, we realized that it was time to have some fun and spend some money now. So let's talk about what we bought and what we considered. So with some careful consideration and a big push from Nicole, honestly, we drained our $50,000 from our taxable brokerage account and bought a brand new car. Specifically, we bought a 2023 Ford Mustang Mach-E. Oh man, I love it. <laughs> As someone who is from Detroit, it felt fitting to go with a Ford. 
Well, I know there's plenty of people out there who would choose a Tesla as their electric vehicle, and a lot of people in our neighborhood do. I liked the Mach-E a lot. In addition to thinking through the exact vehicle we wanted, we also wanted to make sure to consider the ramifications of draining our brokerage account. I'm not totally abandoning my personal finance savvy. There will be some tax implications for us next filing year. As a result, we're doing some tax planning and prep and fully expect to absorb the cost of the car and the tax implications with what we took from our brokerage and what we had in a smaller sinking fund. So in short, we paid for it in cash and we're going to pay for the taxes in cash as well. We've got the money set aside. Now, it's important to remember that our decision to buy a new car isn't the same as someone blowing their budget on an impulse buy at Target. We spent way more money than you'd spend at Target, but we also put some real thought into it and made some careful considerations. There were some other factors at play as well when we started thinking about buying a new-to-us car versus a brand-new car. Some of the other reasons I happily purchased this car include the following. A sizable electric vehicle credit for the new car purchase, less maintenance and fewer future headaches, no more oil changes, no more gas, the wild increase in used car prices as of late, and oh my God, this is probably the, the worst one. Our old Audi was turning into a money pit. $1,000 here, $2,000 there. Fix this, fix that. And most importantly, last but not least, I just wanted to. I wanted to. We did a lot of work to get up to this point. When I purchased this car, we were eligible for a $7,500 clean vehicle tax credit. That made the math a little bit more compelling. This credit would not have been available for the used electric cars that we were looking at. Plus, the idea of buying an electric car promises to be one that future me will really, really appreciate. I don't have to buy gas anymore. I don't have to do the oil changes. Instead, I can charge my car in my garage and end up with just less overall maintenance. I'm saving time and I'm saving money. And that's a huge win in my book. A common push in the personal finance movement is to never buy new cars. Instead, always consider used cars first. But anyone who has been following the news over the past few years or car shopping themselves probably knows that used car costs reached astronomical heights during the pandemic. And they haven't really fallen after the fact either. That fact was another reason that we started to consider buying new. You know, while it's true that we may have been able to push our previous vehicle farther, the Audi man was racking up plenty of costs. The car was 13 years old. And as a result, the repairs were becoming more costly and more frequent. Most importantly, though, is the fact that I really wanted to buy this new car. I've never purchased a brand new car before in my entire life. So the novelty of that was just a lot of fun for me. Additionally, after checking so many boxes and hitting so many money milestones, it felt like it was time to make my money work for me in another way. I wanted to spend my money in the most convenient way possible. That meant buying a brand new car from my phone, with my family around me, in cash. <laughs> now, in the end, I'm not here to tell anyone how to spend their money. 
it's true that some millionaires won't ever buy new cars, but some will. This one just did, and I don't regret it at all. It's important to remember that personal finance is personal, and we never truly know someone's full financial picture from the outside looking in. If you have a goal or a series of goals, it's fine to use your money to achieve those goals. In fact, that's the whole point of tracking dollars and cents in the first place, right? Money's just a tool that you can use to build the life you want. And if you drive a new car in that life that you want, enjoy it. Well, enough for me, everyone. I want to hear from you. Are you on team never buy new cars or would you consider buying a new car? Please let me know by sharing this episode on social media and tagging me at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram or Facebook or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn or Twitter. Let's keep this conversation going. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. For some people like me, debt can feel like an incredible weight on your shoulders. After carrying that weight for a while, there comes a time when you say, 
I am done with this. On our debt-free living segment today, we're going to interview Jade Warshaw from Ramsey Solutions. Jade and her husband, Sam, became debt-free after paying off $460,000 of debt in less than eight years. Today, we're going to learn how they accomplished this family financial goal and what they're doing with their money now. Welcome to the show, Jade. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. What's going on? Oh, man, this is great. You and I have known each other for a couple of years now. I'm really glad to have you on the show and talk about your incredible story that's going to motivate a lot of people, I think. So let's talk about your original motivation. Why did you want to become debt-free in the first place? Well, you know, it's funny. I always say we didn't have a choice. When you have that much debt, Andy, you you cannot live. There is no semblance of a life when you have half a million dollars of debt. So that was a big a big factor of it. And two, you know, I grew up in a house where money was a struggle. I know what that feels like on the kids. I know what that does to a marriage. We were just determined to have a different outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what type of debt was this? How do you accumulate 460000 Mostly consumer debt by far. 90% of it was consumer debt. My husband did have a small townhouse that he went into as an investment with his mom. I think it was 100000 280000 of it was student loans. Andy, if you can believe that. Of course, we had the credit card debt, 20000 in credit card debt, and the two vehicles that we couldn't afford. So definitely what I would say normal in some ways. I know a lot of folks don't have necessarily $280,000 in student loans, but we see that number. It's creeping up higher and higher for most Americans. So it's a lot. Absolutely. Was there a moment something hit you and just said, we got to make a change? What happened? What happened was we moved. We got married. And the first year of our marriage, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? You haven't really combined everything yet. You're just enjoying each other. As we started combining money and we had an opportunity to move to South Florida, there's something about a move that you start, you know, writing everything down and seeing what you have and taking inventory of it. That combined with the fact that our student loans were starting to become due, it was just a recipe for enlightenment and also disaster. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So what did you guys do to start making some changes at that point? Yeah, you know, I say all the time, when you have that kind of debt, it's easy to blame a lot of people, right? You can blame the student loan industry. You can blame your parents. You can blame your high school because it's like, oh, we didn't learn this in high school. If only we had learned how to budget in high school. And so we went through that where you're just blaming everybody. But then we we hit this point where it's like, okay, you cannot blame your way to a better life. You've got to start making changes. And so we did. I remembered a guy named Dave Ramsey And I remembered hearing him on the radio. And so I told my husband, I said, there's this guy, Dave Ramsey, I think he can help us. And so we went over to Barnes and Noble and we picked up the book, The Total Money Makeover. We picked up the workbook for him and we started working through it. And it was like, okay, we need to submit to this plan. This is the, our way has not been working. And so we need to find another way. And that's where it all started. And we started submitting to that plan. And before you know it, we're starting to make headway with that debt. I also was very familiar with that plan as it helped me and my wife get out of debt as well. Thank you. Shout out to Dave. Question with that. Obviously, there's two levers you can pull during that process, the increase in the income part or decrease in the expenses. Did you do both? Did you do one more than the other? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I think for most people, it's a little bit of both. And for us, it was mostly on the income because when we started, my husband and I were both musicians looking, you know, when you're a musician, it's hard. You're starting out, you're gigging, you're trying to figure out what your actual career is going to be. So when we started, we were only making an income of about 30,000. And knowing that we had all of that debt, we knew immediately that we needed to increase our income. And so at first it looked like a lot of supplemental work 
You know, I used to, I sold cupcakes at one point. My husband was training dogs. I was working at a vinyl tent and lettering place. So anything we could do to get our income up, of course, we sold everything in our house, Andy. At one point, we had no furniture in our house. Anything we could do to make income and increase our income. But then our focus shifted to, okay, long term. Because I don't want to be baking cupcakes for the rest of my life. I don't want to be, you know, side hustling for the rest of my life. And so then we focused on how to really translate our skills into a business of our own. And that's really when things started taking off is when our, our, our personal business started taking off. And so we were able to throw more money to that debt snowball quicker. Was it the accumulation of the side hustles and the supplementary work where you said, well, actually, I could see myself doing this specifically more in order to make more money? Or were you guys already having another business to begin with? Well, I heard somebody say early on, if you want to be effective in leadership, you have to learn how to multiply and duplicate yourself. And that really stuck with me. And as an entertainer, I said to myself, what does that look like? Because I can only earn so much money. I can only do so many gigs. I can only go so many places and perform. So what does that look like? And for us, it meant let's do a talent agency. Let's get as many people in the doors as possible and let's send them out to do the work that we don't want to do. For us, that's what it looked like. And yeah, we were able to multiply not only ourselves, but also multiply our income. And I think that's what it's about. When it comes to side hustling, I always suggest for people to find things that are already related to their current skill set, things they already know how to do, they already enjoy doing, and they're already very good at doing. It's probably something that they're already in that area and they can find a service to offer there. Yeah. And then figuring it out how to scale without burning yourself out. Right. I mean, it sounds like you can only produce so many gigs. I see you do a, a mad Whitney Houston. You can only, you could do the Whitney Houston so many <laughs> times before you got to get somebody else to, to help out. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You definitely have to start thinking long-term. It is a lot of, you touched on the fact that it's a lot of work. It's a lot of sacrifice and you're right. You can only sustain that for so long, which is why speed is so important when you're trying to get out of debt, you've got to do what it takes to pay off that debt as quickly as possible because no one wants to live scorched earth, you know, for a decade. No one wants to do that. I mean, for us, seven and a half years was about, that was about it. But, you know, most people are able to get out of debt within 12 to 24 months. And so that's what the numbers tell us. I think this is a delicate balance, though, because you guys have this beautiful talent of music. And I fear that sometimes when people are like, okay, well, I need to make more money. Let me just lean into the thing that I'm good at or that, or that I like to do almost as enjoyment or a hobby. But then you push so hard that you might burn yourself out. Did you guys get to a point of burnout with some of the things that you used to enjoy? And how did you deal with that? That's a really good question. I would say that there were moments that it felt close to burnout, but I think those are the times where you have to connect back to why am I doing this? You know, what, what's the end game? And I say all the time, you behave like you believe. So if you believe in what that end goal is, if you believe you accomplish it, you can't accomplish it, then that's really what pushes you through those times where it's like, oh my God, I'm tired. Can't I just, you know, can I just phone this one in or can I just call in sick or, you know, all those moments, you've really got to connect back to that why. You've got to connect back to what was the reason that we set out to do this to begin with? And if you believe that that's worth it, you will continue through those moments. That's great. And I understand that as you're talking about this, you and Sam seem to be great partners in that aspect. Were there any tips or hacks that you guys had as a couple that made this process easier? Yeah. I mean, the first one I would say is you got to combine your finances. 
You know, I've been reading the statistics on that, and it's interesting. I found that only 43% of married people combine their finances, which might sound like a lot to some people. But in the end, I feel like, man, that's actually not a whole lot considering the benefit that we know comes from combining finances. I read a stat that said that couples that combine their finances build wealth four times faster. And part of that is because they're more likely to purchase a home together right? And then it says that they build more trust. And overall, those couples are happier. And that's the verbiage that it used. And I thought, man, that's, that's really interesting. If more people knew that, I think that they would dive in and share their finances together. Because, you know, you're communicating about one of the most important things in this world, which is your money. And if you can get on the same page with that, you can do a lot together as a couple. Yeah, I like harmony. I like happier. Those are those are all really good words when it comes to marriage. There's there's been times <laughs> where, where I felt maybe a little bit more selfish or things like that, and that comes into my mind. Well, you know, I worked hard for this. I, I want to use it the, my way. That only lasts so long where it feels like a partnership anymore. It feels like we're on this mission together, and I quickly want to go back to that our uh, uh, us, you know, mindset, because that that helps us to have that harmony, that happiness in our relationship. So you and Sam are an absolute great example there. Talk to us about when you paid this off. And did you guys celebrate? What was different in your life? (laughs) We did celebrate. It was right around the fall. And I remember we came down to what was then Financial Peace Plaza, which was, you know, where Ramsey headquarters was. And we came to do our debt-free scream. You know, you've probably heard it on the Ramsey show. Everybody counts down three, two, one, we're debt-free. So we did that and our family was there. And afterwards, Andy, it was Black Friday. And so I was like, okay, we're going on a shopping spree. Mom, you get what you want. My sister, you get what you want. Of course, Sam and I, we had such a good time. And it was one of those times that, you know, we had a certain budgeted amount but we, we made it pretty high so that we could just enjoy and not think about it. And that was, I mean, that made the sacrifice totally worth it. You know, because over the past seven and a half years, it was saying no to new jeans and new no to a new pair of shoes and, and just no to those everyday kind of basic things. And it was so cool to, to have that day where it's like, I like that purse. I'm going to buy it. Let's go out to lunch. I am not going to look at the price first. I'm just going to pick what I want on the menu. So that was just a really fun time. Is it surreal for you now working for Dave Ramsey and and his (laughs) awesome company, having gone through this experience, do you think that now that you're in the shoes of educating people on this topic that you are, I guess, more excited about it because you have gone through this? Well, yeah, you know, when Sam and I were going through this, I had no idea what was on the other side, right? You're just doing this, trying to make your life better for your family. And it's very, I don't want to say self-focused or selfish, but it's very self-focused. You want a, a better life for your family and there's nothing wrong with that. As more and more people started discovering our story, I started realizing like, hey, this wasn't just for us. Like this is, other people can learn from this and other people can be inspired by this. And I think that's just a life lesson, Andy, that I've taken away from this is whenever there's something that you're struggling through, wherever there's something that is a pain point for you and you've overcome that, it's probably not just for you. It's probably for you to take that, share it. Other people are going to learn from it. Other people are going to be able to grow from it. And I just think that's one of the great things about life is how, you know, you can take these struggles and your bad break can turn into your big break. I think it's great. I completely agree with you. I think a lot of people like to dog social media or the internet or whatever, (laughs) the news in general, but I think you can be the positive news. You can be the good stories out there. And Jade, you're sharing that with us right now. Talk to us about 
What does it mean to not have $460,000 of debt in your life? And what does that mean for your future now? Oh, it means everything. You know, when you are, you've probably heard Dave Ramsey say this a million times, your biggest wealth building tool is your income. And when you're giving that away month after month and payment upon payment, you can't build wealth. You don't have the margin left to, to really give towards your retirement or just building wealth. And so now that our income is totally freed up, it's great. I mean, it's allowed us, we were able to save for a down payment and purchase our first home with peace you know, not overspending and not getting caught up in the craziness of 2020, right? We just were able to purchase that in a peaceful way. We were able to buy another, yet another vehicle in cash because we had the margin to save up. As the baby steps go, we're investing 15% into our retirement. And that's really fun to watch. So this is this is what I call the good part, Andy. <laughs> the first few baby steps are about, you know, that intensity. And it's just like, oh, I got to go. I got to go. But then once you get out of that, it's just like wide open space and you get to breathe and you feel that ease of financial peace. And so that's what I hope that people take from this, that they can go from that angst of payments and debt just to that ease of financial peace. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, there's somebody listening right now and they see that you've paid off six figures of debt and they're also dealing with a mountain of debt. Maybe this is credit cards, maybe this is student loans, and they are just feeling paralyzed. What is one step they can take following this interview to move forward? Yeah, I would say the first step to take is if you're not on a budget, you need to get on a budget. So many people are afraid to really take their money and break it down and see what you're spending, how much you have left at the end of the month. Do you have any money left at the end of the month? And instead of doing a budget, they just rely on credit cards to kind of fill that gap. And so I would say the first step is really get on a budget and just start telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. I say all the time, budgets are like toothbrushes. Everybody needs one, right? Without a toothbrush, things get crazy and nasty real quick. And it's the same thing with a budget, you know? And I think that in our society and maybe growing up, budget becomes kind of that bad word, but it's a good thing. You just need to remember it's something that you have control over. It's something that it defines your money. It does not confine your money. So. I love that. Uh, financial hygiene, right, Jade? Yes, financial hygiene. I love that, Andy. I'm writing that down. That's yours. That's yours. You, you, take, you take it. I love it. No, I mean, it's a good example. Like some of these things we got to do every day in order to have a good life, physical health, financial health, mental health. You got to do the little things. And yeah, they don't take a long time, but man, are they important. And they give you those epiphanies to help you move forward and tackle these gigantic goals like Jade and Sam did. Jade, thank you so much for your time today. I love watching you, listening to you on Ramsey. Tell people where they can connect with you and learn more from you on your new journey. Yes, absolutely. You can find me on all the socials at Jade Warshaw. It's just my name. And of course, please find us at RamseySolutions.com if you need resources, if you need help. Everything that you could ever need is on that site. So RamseySolutions.com or follow me at Jade Warshaw. Thank you, Andy. Absolutely. And get ready to learn about all things, not just financial intelligence and financial hygiene. You want to learn how to uh, like cook better food in your house. You want to learn how to enjoy music. Like, <laughs> Jade's got it all. Follow her, connect with her. Jade, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation because you're a unique person and it's specific to you. 
Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do a quick favor for our family. Please share your favorite Marriage, Kids, and Money episode on social media and tag your friend Andy at Marriage, Kids, and Money on Instagram or Facebook or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn or Twitter. To encourage you to share your favorite episode, we're going to be giving away some free Marriage, Kids, and Money merchandise. We got t-shirts, we got mugs, we got hoodies, all the good stuff. And promoting positive work is something we appreciate that you would do. So speaking of promoting positive work and sharing good news, we're highlighting some top news stories that Calvin and I feel are good news stories. So I found this one from Fox 26 in Houston recently, and it's entitled Texas Teen Dies Rock Climbing. Two hours later, he revives. What? A miracle. A literal miracle. And to help me read this article and share the good word, once again, is the guy who just said, what? I'm happy to be joined by my son, Calvin Hill. Welcome back to the good word, Calvin Hill. Hi. Hi. Are you curious about the story? Yeah. I thought that would be interesting to you. So let's read it, huh? Sammy Burko, a teenage boy from Missouri City, Texas, went to a rock climbing gym where he suffered cardiac arrest and died. Two hours later, he was alive. He climbed to the top of the wall, rang the bell, as we were told, and then his body went limp, and it looked like he was either playing around or passed out. They weren't quite sure, and when they realized he was unresponsive, they lowered him slowly, Jennifer Burko, Sammy's mother, told Houston's Fox 26. Paramedics and doctors proceeded to administer CPR for two hours before informing Jennifer that he's gone. She and her husband, Craig, sat with their son for a few minutes to say their goodbyes. I started talking to him, just telling him how much I love him and sorry that we didn't know how to save him. Suddenly, I started praying. My husband said, oh my gosh, he's moving. Send Jennifer to the local news station. The couple shouted for the medical team who raced back in and began administering aid. Due to how long Sammy went without oxygen, there was fear he suffered a major brain injury. However, aside from some physical injury, he has so far only experienced short-term memory loss. I don't remember anything about the day it happened. The last thing I can remember is the night before I had to sign waivers online for the rock climbing gym, and then I woke up. Sammy told Fox 26. Then I remembered my dad telling me, this is what happened, and you better remember this time, because he said it so many times. Despite how lucky Sammy was, that does not mean the road to recovery has been easy. Sammy has been working to recover strength in his legs after a month in the hospital and is undergoing physical therapy for the ischemic spine injury. Dr. Stacy Hall, medical director of the Pediatric Rehabilitation Program at TIRR Memorial Herman, told Fox 26, We do see kids all the time here who have had CPR, but with very prolonged CPR, we typically see very severe global 
anoxic brain injury. So to me, he is a literal miracle. The Burkos are currently preparing their home to accommodate Sammy's wheelchair. I knew it would be a weird, crazy experience learning to walk again and working on strength without using my legs to be able to balance me. It has been such an amazing experience here, actually. Like, I've noticed that I'm better every day. I'm doing something new every single day, Sammy told the local station. This tragedy also shed some light on a past tragedy as three years prior, the Burkos lost their son Frankie to what they know now is the same genetic mutation that almost killed Sammy. He and his mother underwent testing and are currently taking medication to help prevent any future issues. Wow. Pretty wild story, huh, buddy? Do you remember when we were in the car the other day and you were driving to school and we said, what if people die? Can they be brought back to life? Do you remember when we were talking about that? Yeah. We were talking about the defibrillators, those little paddles that go clear, you know? Yeah. Or you can also do CPR where you do these chest compressions, you know, and try to bring them back to life. Like, uh, oh, Jumanji. Remember Jumanji? When um, they give him CPR, the guy who's like the pilot guy. So it worked. Isn't that amazing that this boy's alive? Yeah. So he was dead and they brought him back to life. What do you think of that? That's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. So Sammy, he's learning to walk again after knowing how to walk, but now he, he has to learn again. How do you think that would feel to not be able to use your legs? That would feel really weird. Yeah. It would probably be a difficult experience, right, to, to learn how to walk again? Yeah. These doctors are helping Sammy to learn to walk again. What do you think about these nice doctors? I like them. Yeah. What do you think about the story? Is it pretty wild? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for reading it with me, Calvin. I think this is interesting and inspiring, and maybe it shows us that we can just keep pushing forward, and hopefully miracles will happen, you know, depending on what happens. Oh, my gosh. I would feel so sad if this was my son. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I want to uh, read the shout-out of the month with you. Does that sound good? Yeah. We're going to give away some merchandise to somebody who also has been sharing good news in the form of the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast. So since the last good word, we received six social shout outs, which is awesome. Thank you all so much. So can you ask Google to pick a number between one and six? Hey, Google, pick a number between one and six. Here's a random number, six. Our sixth shout out comes from... 2JDS Dead Free on Instagram. Thank you very much. And they had this awesome thing to say about our recent generational wealth investing episode. Can you read this, buddy? The UTMA explanation was perfect. I had one that has been complicating my tax situation since I was like 23. 
Reminder, you probably need to convert it at 18. Awesome. Thank you very much for sharing our episode. And this is a good, yes, it's a good PSA that you just left there about UTMAs and generational wealth investing. So thank you very much for that shout out. We're going to be contacting you on Instagram, sending you a DM and offering you some merch from the Marriage Kids and Money store. Yeah. And you can pick out whatever you want. And if you guys want to check out the store, you can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash store. And if you want Calvin to read your shout out and do it alongside some good news, then you know what to do. Just share one of our episodes on social media and tag us at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram and Facebook or at Andy Hill MKM on LinkedIn or Twitter. And Calvin. Get the merch. And get the merch, as Calvi says. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that would be great. That would be uh, supporting our family show, right, Calvin? Yeah. All right, man. Thank you for reading this. And uh, get the merch. Get the merch. Get the merch. <laughs> get the merch. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, my son Calvin is going to end the show with a quote today from Ramit Seti. Spend extravagantly on the things you love and cut costs mercilessly on the things you don't. Yeah, buddy. Excellent. That's great. Yes, everybody, when you've got the money saved up and budgeted, spend it how you'd like. Because it is your unique situation. Carpe, Carpe Via! via.